And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits. You made an excellent choice. The World of Myth Bits. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 39 of The World of Myth Bits. I am your host, Stephanie Barty, and holy moly, do I have a lot to discuss with you this week. I have a bunch of official things that I have to talk about, and some unofficial things, and a secret that I'm going to let you in on. (laughs) So, we're going to get things rolling. Um, Hold on, because I have a list. I know, I came prepared. Can you believe that? I actually showed up to... Well, okay, so no, I didn't come prepared. I was given a bunch of things that... I was given a list of things that um, I was told I needed to discuss. (laughs) So, somebody else prepared it for me, and then I can look prepared. Okay, so the first thing I want to mention... Um, is our open contract challenge and we are getting down to the crunch so the deadline for this round is July 29th Um, so the five contestants right now have until July 29th to get what they need to get in for this portion of the contest and then um, from those five Two finalists will be chosen, and those two finalists will be guests on a radio show, and um, when I get the deets, I will give you the deets. I don't have the deets on that just yet. I just know that the two finalists will be on a radio show, and that's to be announced. Um, And the final two I will announce on August 5th. That will be my next, that will be my podcast in two weeks. So, people that are the last, the, our last five, which are, oh, why do I do this to myself? Um, ah, couldn't, uh, it's been, it's been a long few days for me. My granddaughter arrived. My husband and my daughter went down on the bus and picked her up because it's like six bucks to take the bus to Barry and back. And they picked her up on Friday. So my granddaughter's been here since Friday. And I absolutely adore this child. I love all my grandchildren. And she's going to be seven in August. Seven. I know. Seven. Good Lord. Seven. I can't, I just still can't wrap my brain around the fact that I have been a grandmother for seven years. Um, she calls me Ama. I am Oma. And my husband is Papa. Because she has a grandma and she has a nana and... I didn't want, you know, it had grandma so-and-so and grandma Barty. I wanted my own name and I am English, Irish, Dutch, German, a smattering of Italian and Ukrainian. So I had a plethora of uh, names that I could choose from, meaning grandmother. And uh, Oma, Oma was the easiest one for Lizzie to pronounce. And for the longest time, she called me Mama. It was Mummy and Mama, because I'm a Mama. 
and it was so funny. We would be, her mother, Tabby, and I would be um, in Walmart or in a grocery store, the dollar store, and Lizzie would be in the cart, and you know, she would holler, Mama, Mama, and I would turn around and go, Yes, and she'd blather away at me, and then I would continue what I was doing, and then, you know, five minutes later, Mommy, Mommy, and Tabby would turn around and go, Yes, and people would be looking at the two of us, because there's such an age difference. It's like, No, we're not a couple. I am Grandma. This is Mummy. <laughs> but uh, she's been with us since Friday. And we started when, when she was little. Um, she was afraid to sleep by herself. And we don't have an extra bedroom, like a guest room, for her to sleep in. So she would sleep with me in my bed. And she still does. Um, and I would make jokes when she was little. How this little tiny person, as soon as she goes to sleep, she turns into this expanding spaghetti monster. And there's arms and legs everywhere. And that hasn't changed. She, I came upstairs the other night, last night, and she was lying on her side of the bed on her pillow. So I got my pillows all arranged and got my side of the bed all ready for me to crawl in. And I go down the hall to the bathroom to wash up and I come back and she is sprawled completely on my pillows. Uh-huh. So I roll her back over onto her side of the bed, crawl in, and it's it was excruciatingly hot. It's been excruciatingly hot for the past few days. And so I roll over back onto her side of the bed. I crawl into the bed and almost like a magnet you know, right up where on top of me. <laughs> and I mean she was literally like on top of me, head up on my shoulder, leg thrown over me. <laughs> sliding her off. I mean, roll over. Get over there. So the expanding spaghetti monster has not changed. I don't think it's going to change. She's seven. She's still doing it. Um, the other night I came up and she was a starfish. And she's a long, tall child. <laughs> so got her arms and legs spread, looking like a starfish in the middle of the bed. And I'm like, oh, no, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> Move over. So, um, I'm not used to having small children around, so I'm a little tired, I have to say, a little tired. So, yeah, open contract challenge. I see I got sidetracked. Butterfly! Open contract challenge. The deadline is the 29th, and the two finalists will be announced on the, on August 5th. And speaking of August, now I want to just make you aware, please keep sending me your submissions horror, sci-fi, fantasy, um, comedy, uh, action. <laughs> I knew I was missing one. And I know Dave's listening to this going, action, action, how can you miss action and suspense? <laughs> Poetry, artwork, reviews, please keep sending me those. Now, there won't be a regular issue coming out in August. Because we're going to be taking all of those submissions and we do have um, special submissions that people have sent in spe specifically blah, 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 specifically for our anniversary issue, which is going to be released September 6th. Now, the reason why it's being released September 6th and not 24th like normal is because the 6th is the actual 15th anniversary of 
the World of Myth magazine. So we thought it would be, you know, kind of cool to release that issue on that actual day, on the actual anniversary day. So keep sending your stuff in. Don't worry. Um, and when you, like, I, I will remind will remind you as well when you send your submissions in that if, you know, they're accepted, there won't be an August issue. They will go in the anniversary issue in September. Now, the anniversary issue is kind of special. It's going to come out in its regular format, like we put it out every month, but it's also going to be released in retro style. Now, by retro, I mean it's going to look exactly like it did that very first issue. So you're going to get a chance to kind of compare where we started and where we are, how far we have come in 15 years. Uh, it's also going to be in PDF, and that'll be available for 99 cents, 99, bleh, 99 cents US an issue. And um, it will also be released as a full color magazine, like an actual hold in your hand, flip through the pages magazine. And as soon as I get what the price on that's going to be, I will let you know. So don't stop sending your submissions in. Just keep in mind there won't be an issue in August. Now, don't... I'm, I'm still accepting submissions for another day, maybe to... Um, for our July issue, which is coming out on the 24th. So if you have anything that you've been meaning to send in and you haven't gotten around to it, if you don't get around to it, then it's going to end up in September if it's accepted. If it's, if it's accept, good Lord. Whew. <laughs> if it's accepted. There we go. All right. Got it out. So that's two of the official things. I've had to cover, but, but I had, wow. Okay. I need to pause for a minute, have a drink of water, resituate my tongue, reboot the brain. So that's two of the official things that I needed to discuss with you, which was the open contract challenge and what's happening in August with the magazine. Plug the magazine. Oh, right. www.com theworldofmyth.com. <laughs> Dave's going to snark because I threw that, that one in um, on my own. Okay, so. Great. Unofficial things. Um, Saturday, I went for the first time. I had my very first official author event where I was contacted by the event and asked to come as the guest author. So it was my very first one. Yes, I was very thrilled. I can't thank my friend Melissa Small enough for suggesting me. Um, it was just, it was a thrill to be asked and then to go and, you know, you know you're there as the guest author. And I went with no expectations. It was the, now I have to go back to it again. Because that's what I had up first. And then I had to pull up the open contract challenge, which I didn't end up 
doing because I just kept talking. So, all right. I was at the Elmvale Sci-Fi Fantasy Street Party, which if you live in Ontario, um, it's in Elmvale, Ontario every year. This was the second year for it. And all the proceeds from the money they get from the vendors paying for their tables, the booths, the um, performers, all of that goes to um, the Elmvale Food Bank. So the the town of Elmvale benefits from this. The, the food bank benefits from this. Nobody's doing this to get money, to make money, to get rich. It is for the food bank, which I think is absolutely fantastic because the amount of vendors that were there, there were tons of vendors. And I mean, it was hot. It was 99 degrees. Now, some of you that live in the southern states like California and that, oh, 99 degrees? It was 103 in the shade yesterday. Okay, you have to remember, for us, 99 degrees also comes with 85% humidity. It was like walking through water. It was just gross. I'm not complaining about the heat. I'm not. But it was, I was close. So, I mean, I my heart went out to all of the people that were vending outside in the sunshine and the humidity. And, I mean, a breeze did kick up after a while, so they ended up with the breeze. I was inside the building, which started out great because it was air-conditioned, and then they opened the front doors. And my table was right at the front doors, so... It was no longer air conditioned. <laughs> it was very hot. It was very hot. But um, I, I, like I said, I went with no expectations. Um, I was just going to have a good time, meet people, shake hands, talk to people, tell them about my book, and have my book out there on the table for the world to see. And I think I was there while well, we were there. My mom and I were there. It was my mom's birthday. So she, and she wanted to be at my very first official event. So she came down on her birthday even, and was basically my, my help and handler for the day. She kept me calm. She was the only one really, other than my husband that could have told me, you know, sit down, calm down, breathe, you twit, you're losing your marbles because you're nervous. Just chill and get away with it without me killing them. Because when, you know, when your mom tells you to sit the hell down and shut the hell up, you do. <laughs> doesn't matter if you're four or 44. Mom tells you to sit down and shut up, you sit down and you shut up. So anyway, um, we got there by nine. And had everything set up, ready to go. I had the promo videos running, um, books out on the table. I brought my grandmother had a hand-blown glass schooner, which I brought. But I had it in a nice glass case so that it wouldn't get broken. And I had the box from the promo video. Um... I had that all laid out and set up and, you know, I was ready and raring to go. And I'm looking at the table and I'm thinking, damn it, I need business cards. And I mentioned this to my mom too. I needed business cards. And I realized this at Ad Astra 
that I need business cards, I need bookmarks, I need something I can hand to people. So my mom is going to make me business cards. I love my mommy. So anyway, I'm sitting there and I'm expecting people to come by and, you know, ask me about my book and carry on. And I'm, as people are, well, hi, how are you? And getting their attention and, you know, doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I see this young woman, maybe late teens, early twenties. And she's with an older woman who I found out was her mother because the younger woman doesn't drive, doesn't have a driver's license. And they, they come in the door and they're beelining for my table. And she's got an empty bag with her. I'm like, okay, so she's, she's, you know, looking around and she comes over to the table. I'm like, hi, how are you? And this, this is my book. And I go into my, my spiel, <laughs> which changed invariably throughout the day. And, um, she's like, I know. Pardon? She says, well, I look, I went on the Elmville Street Fair site and I looked at all the authors that were going to be there and I Googled them all. And on Amazon, you can read a preview of the book. So she read previews of all the books that the authors were going to be selling at, um, if they were on Amazon at the street fair. And she read my preview and put my book on her summer reading list. And I was the very first stop she made when she got there. I have goosebumps telling you about it. And I'm really trying not to cry because it was just such a, surreal amazing experience as an author to have you know she she complete stranger googled me for one thing <laughs> and found my book went and read the the preview of my book and decided i want to read that book and came to the event specifically to get my book and a few other books um her mom said was telling us that she had just finished up her school summer reading list and now she needed her fun summer reading list. So that's why she was at the Elmvale street fair was to get more books. And, uh, so I autographed her book and, uh, personalized it with a little message for her and she bought my book and it was the first one in her bag. And I saw her later on in the day and, um, she had a few more books in her bag and a couple of other things. And when she went by me, I laughed and she looked at me and I said, your bag's not so light anymore, is it? She laughed. She says, nope, no, it's not. But my summer reading list is now complete. <laughs> so, but if I didn't sell one more book that day, that would have been enough. That made my day. That, that was worth the heat and the sweat and giving up a day with my granddaughter and the, the the nerves and everything that one girl was worth it for for me anyway you know i, I almost gave it to her <laughs> here but you know i didn't because i am an author and and you know i i'm hoping eventually to make a living off of this eventually I know it takes a long time. I'm realistic, but, um, and I can't just be giving them away. But, uh, yeah, like if I didn't sell one more book that day, that one book with what she said to me would have been enough 
It was just such a thrill. And I did sell more books that day. I had a really good day. And I'm now looking forward to the tall ships, which are coming in August. And so if you're in the area, I will be at sharing a table with Lally Napier. Yay, Lally! And there will be shenanigans and I'm sure a pirate. I know there may be a gypsy. <laughs> and it will be fun. And there will be books for you to purchase. Not just mine, but Lally's too. And if you're not, if you don't know what tall ships are, they actually are schooners. So I thought it was just awesome of Lally to offer space on her table to me and for me to be able to sell my books that are about a shipbuilder who builds schooners at an event where there's going to be schooners and there's going to be a battle in Midland in the harbor and they're going to battle for the port of Midland and there are rumors that the Americans may actually take our mayor hostage. So, yeah, come down and check it out. It's a two, three-day event, I believe. So it'll be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to that now that I have my first author event um, out of, fresh out of the gate now. You know, I've got that under my belt. And I had to actually do a reading at the event as well. And I've never done a public reading. I've never done a private reading of my book. So I actually had to get up on the stage. My God, is it hot on a stage under those lights? Wow. Whew, I was, yeah. All I was, I was just praying the entire time I was reading was please do not drip it because I could feel the sweat rolling down my face. And I'm just praying, please, please, please do not drip in my eyes. Do not drip in my eyes. Please do not drip in my eyes. It didn't, thankfully. But, um, I had to do a 15 minute reading. So basically that was chapter one. I read the prologue and the first chapter. And I started it by prefacing the whole thing with, you know, as Julie Andrews says in my favorite movie, let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. And it was actually, um, Dave, who is my, my publisher and my mentor and my sounding board and my, you know, everything to do with writing <laughs> dude <laughs> it was his idea because i had no no idea where how do you choose a part in your book to read i don't these people that can you know i'll read this passage and i'll read that part. I, I can't do that because if i read this passage well it's not going to make any sense if you don't if you haven't read that passage already but this one's really good too but then you need to i can't so he said just read the first chapter just read the first chapter if I had have had longer, I would have read the first chapter and the second chapter because a lot more interesting stuff. I mean, I'm not saying the first chapter is boring by any stretch of the imagination. It introduces you to the two main characters and it sets up um, hints at the magic and the, the things you're going to encounter. But the second chapter is when the action really starts. That's where you meet a few more of the Anyway, I digress. I'm not, I'm not on here. This, I'm not on this podcast to sell my book, but you know, it's a good book. Anyway, so that's what I did on Saturday and it was a whole lot of fun. Okay. So the second thing that I need to announce the third, sorry, the third thing, the third official thing, although looking at this, I think, 
Okay, he's got them numbered, but the first five are all pertaining to what I've already announced about the open contract challenge. Okay, so um, just a little secret, let you in on a little secret. We, um, our podcasting network will be expanding with some new talent. Um, I will be staying here at the World of Mythbits and, um, on the, but on the network we have right now, we have the World of Mythbits. We have, um, my public life is an American nerd. We have, um, Mythmaster Unleashed. I think that's it. Shooting Straight is on something. <laughs> Hiatus, I think. Um, I'm not sure, but I'm just trying to think what else do we have. I know I'm, oh, oh, who's the boss? That was just uh, relaunched. And, um, it's a little different than the way it was run originally. Dave will now be interviewing, um, celebrities and up and comers. And it is going to be really, really interesting. And you're really going to want to hear some of the people that he's got coming on the show. Um, yeah. So we will be adding some new talent to the network. Um, speaking of podcasts, while I was at the Elmville event, I was actually, um, interviewed for a podcast, <laughs> which outside of the Jason network was a first for me. And, you know, he came over, he had this really neat, it's, it's the tape recorder that every paranormal investigator dreams of. It's got the two directional mic on it. And it has the ability to, you can plug it into your cell phone so that you can do a phone interview. And it's just really cool. So he came over and the podcast is called True North Nerds. Um, I do believe that is the, oh, please don't tell me I've got it wrong. It's a Canadian podcast. And it's, um... I'm thinking, but I know Dave will edit this part out. Maybe. (laughs) Yes. It's called true North nerds. And, um, they were walking around and they were interviewing a few people and they came over and they interviewed me about my book. And it was kind of, it was kind of cool. So it's not up. The, the podcast isn't up yet. Um, but I will definitely put it on my page. Um, Lupa Barty author on, er, Stephanie Barty author on Facebook. Oh my God. I'm having serious multitasking issues today. Wow. Okay. One thing at a time. Just focus on one thing at a time. All right. So speaking of events, because I spoke of Elmvale, I mentioned Ad Astra. Um, as I'm sure you all are well aware by now, if you're not, then you haven't been paying attention. Uh, PCE is coming to the high desert in California in February of 2020, February 8th of 2020. Um, Dave will correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> it's one of, one of the joys and draws, but drawbacks of not having a co-host is I cannot be corrected <laughs> if I'm wrong, <laughs> but the drawback is I can't be corrected if I'm wrong. Anyway, um, 
TCE, the Pop Culture Expo, which is coming to the high desert in February of 2020, February 8th of 2020, uh, we have confirmed, and I'm going to have words with this gentleman because, you know, it was his amazing screenwriting that started my phobia. Um, I'm going to have to thank him for that. But we have confirmed Jaws screenwriter Carl Gottlieb. Mm-hmm. Mr. Gottlieb and I are going to have a chat. Um, he will be there. He is confirmed. Voice actor Sam Quasman, he will be there. And he's done voices for um, big names. And he's done Robot Chicken. He's done Tom and Jerry. Um, yeah, like I said, the big names, you know, the ears, the mouse. <laughs> and um, for us older folks who will remember, and I mean, some of the younger generation may have watched it, but if you've, if you've seen Grease, you'll remember who Eugene is. Well, Eugene, he, the actor was also the voice of Mandark on Dexter's Laboratory, which my kids watched. And, um, Eddie Deezen, I hope I said that, Deezen, 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 yeah, Eddie Deezen, he will be there. Yay! <laughs> and I'm going to let you in a little secret. Um, I'm not supposed to say anything because it's not totally confirmed yet, but I'll give you a little hint. I won't. I can't, I can't give you all the, the nitty gritty, dirty details right now, but, um, we could very possibly have an actress that was in multiple Nightmare on Elm Street movies, um, just throwing that out there. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so, yeah. I, I'm, I, I did actually give pa- second, like a, a, a moment's pause in, in thinking of whether or not I am actually going to attend PCE because I have two, I call them phobia. Well, one is a phobia. The other is a fear. I have an extreme phobia of sharks because of the movie Jaws. Uh, my mom thought it would be a brilliant idea to, you know, set me up in the back seat with a pillow and a blanket. I think I was four, three or four and go to the drive-in movie. And she figured I would just go to sleep. I was little. I'd go to sleep. As soon as I get in the car, I go to sleep. So she figured I would just sleep. And I remember my very first time seeing Jaws was over the green vinyl of the front seat. And to this day, I have a phobia of sharks. I've told you my shark stories and the wonderful things that my husband likes to do to scare me with them. I also have another fear and that is Freddy Krueger. I dream in 3D Technicolor and that dude comes to you in your dreams. Now Dave takes great pleasure in, you know, teasing me and terrorizing me with Freddy. So, um, yeah, there will, could very possibly be both of my biggest fears and phobias at PCE. 
So if you don't come for any of the great stuff that we have, come to see me standing in the middle of the room quaking like a chicken. I might even be clucking like a chicken. Who knows? <laughs> um, I want to ask you, after, the, after PCE, um, there will be the Hall of Fame dinner. And it'll happen about an hour, hour and a half after PCE ends. Um, it'll be a separate ticket, of course. And it'll be a dinner. Um, I do believe it's a dinner. Don't quote me, in case I'm wrong. Anyway, uh, I wanna, I wanna ask you guys, um, do you want me to announce all of the inductees at once in one podcast? Or kind of do one a week? You know, do you want me to drag it out or do you want the big shebang all at once? So let me know. You can comment on the World of Myth Bits Facebook page or, excuse me, the World of Myth magazine page on Facebook or shoot me an email at um, stephaniebardy at theworldofmyth.com and let me know. Send me a private message. You know, Stephanie Barty, y'all can find me. I know you can because you have. <laughs> Send me a message and just let me know what you think. Do you want to know one inductee a week and why they're being inducted? Or do you want me to do them all in one podcast? So give me some feedback. Let me know, folks. Okay. Now, speaking of the ceremony, it's, uh, it's going to be pretty cool. It's, it's going to be pretty, you know, you get, you get an opportunity to dress up and have a good time with people that, you know, you've had a conversation with on Facebook or, you know, you've sent, you've been in the magazine with them. You've, you've talked to them. You've commented on their stories. They've commented on your stories. We all kind of work together, but we don't actually work together. We're not all in the same place. So for me, the Hall of Fame dinner is kind of like a family get together because it'll be the first time for a lot of us. Um, for me, other than Mike, I haven't met any of the magazine staff or, okay, so I can't say not any of the writers because I know Lally. She's submitted, and I know Trish, Patricia McNally, she's submitted, and I know Melissa Small, but um, for the most part, like, I've never met Dave in person, I've never met Jason Bayshard, our movie reviewer, he lives in Chatham, with Mike, I've never met him, in person, uh, up until working for the magazine, I didn't even know Jason Bayshard existed, no offense, Jason. <laughs> So it's kind of the first time for all of us to get together and say, oh my God, hey, how are you? How's it going? Um, it is going to be live streamed on Facebook and possibly YouTube. Also, we are um, in negotiations. And if you know this person, negotiations usually involve chainsaws and things um with the Mythmaster, he might even be the host of the hall of fame dinner so you may get to see the elusive Mythmaster in person up close and personal 
um, in a custom cloak as well. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be really really cool, and that's when we're going to announce. That's when we're going to hand out the awards. Um, to the inductees into the Hall of Fame. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, it's just, I think it's going to be a very good time. And I mean, if you can't, we're going to live stream it. So if you can't make it to California, I know a lot of people live long distance. Hell, I'm coming from Canada for Pete's sakes. So <laughs> I know a lot of people can't take the time off or make, a long distance drive for a one day event. I get that. So we're going to live stream the dinner so that you can be part of it as well. So I think that's really cool. It's amazing. The internet can be devastating at times and cause so much havoc and destruction. And yet it can also bring people together and, and create friendships and bonds and relationships that you wouldn't have had otherwise that, you know, you and opportunities that you wouldn't have otherwise. So I'm really excited about that. I'm really excited about PCE because we are going to have such an amazing lineup for that day of celebrities and things going on and events and cosplay and just, it's going to be such an amazing day. And the Hall of Fame dinner is going to be the cherry on top of that really incredible, has all of your favorite things in it Sunday. <laughs> and I mean, mine, it would be fudge and hot fudge topping and chocolate sprinkles and chocolate chips and um, peanut butter. Yeah, because peanut butter and chocolate just go together. And the, the Hall of Fame dinner is just going to be that cherry, that perfect ending to an amazing day. So, yeah, it's going to be an event. The entire thing is going to be an event you don't want to miss. But with the dinner, if you can't make it, it will be live streamed, so you will at least be able to feel like you are part of it. So, I think that's a big thing. Let me check my time here, because I feel like, oh, all right. Sweet! So, I've talked about everything official, I think, that I needed to talk about. Let me just double-check my ever-so-lovely list. Um, yep, the Open Contract Challenge deadline is the 29th. So make sure you get in what you are supposed to have in for this round. And from there, only two will go on and they will be announced on August 5th. August 5th. Yes, August 5th. Okay. I couldn't find it. I just kept finding no August, no August. Remember, there's no issue coming out in August, but please keep sending in those submissions as if there were an issue coming out in August, because the issue will be coming out September 6th, 6th, for our 15th anniversary. 
And come September, um, I'm not going to uh, give away too much because there will be a lot of um, information in our July issue coming out in three days. Three days. Holy crap! Three days. Okay. Um, but there's going to be some changes coming in September. Regime change, so to speak. So, yeah, you're going to have to read Dave's commentary in the magazine to find out what's going on. Um, yeah, there's going to be some changes coming. So, stay tuned for that. <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, so the issue is coming out in a few days. So my next podcast next week will be all about the magazine. Um, mm-hmm. Yep, all about the magazine. So, I think my granddaughter just came upstairs. She hasn't snuck down the hall yet. I don't see her little face at the door. But she's she's here for the entire week. So today we took her to, uh, we went downtown, it's Sunday, but you're listening to this on Monday. So we took her down to the farmer's market and um, because I did, I had a great day Saturday at the Elmdale Street Fair selling my books, um, I decided I was going to spoil my husband and spoil my granddaughter. So I uh, couldn't really find Everything I offered my husband, you know, like stuff that I know that he likes. He's like, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. No, I'm good. He's really just, he, he's such a selfless man at times. It drives me crazy. <laughs> spend my money. I spend yours freely. Spend mine. It's, it's not really his money or my money. It's our money. Anyway, so we got some um, fresh peas still in the shelf from the farmer's market and some radishes because I can't grow radishes to save my life. I've tried. It just doesn't happen. They're little red pebbles. They just don't radish like they're supposed to. And then we went to the bookstore because Lizzie wanted to see Emma's books in a bookstore. It's my granddaughter, Lizzie. And I talked her into buying a book because we were heading up to the toy store and I told her, well, if you want a toy, then you have to have a book. You have to read a book, too. So we got a book. It's Paw Patrol, but that's fine. Uh-oh. Um, but that's fine. So she got a book. Then we went to the grocery store, where she proceeded to tell everybody in the grocery store that Emma sells books. And... Um, then we went to, where did we go from the grocery store? Oh, we went up to the toy store. Now, it's it's a unique kind of toy store. It's called Mine's Alive, and that's what it does. It has toys and things that stimulate um, the brain, and they while they're, um, they're learning, they're playing. And they don't realize that they're learning. So we got this really neat thing. 
that um, you can use and you create a circuit. So we were teaching her about electric currents in the human body. So you grab one end of this thing and then you get somebody to grab the other end and then you hold hands and you complete the circuit. And it, it makes lights, the lights go off and they flash and they blink and it, you know, it makes this sound and it's really neat. So we, you know, you make the circuit bigger by adding more people. And as soon as one person lets go and they stop holding hands, it breaks the circuit and the lights and the sound stops. So she thought that was really, really cool. So then we decided we would take it out into the backyard and see what else conducts electricity. Trees don't very well, but we did find that the leaves on the trees, if she held one side of the leaf and I held the other side of the leaf and then we both held the thing, the leaf would conduct the electricity through it. Tomato leaves, the leaves on the tomato plant are really, really good conductors. Just saying. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm going to end up with monster tomatoes on that plant now, but the leaves on the tomato plant make really, 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 really good conductors. So she had to have a book, she had to have something educational, and then she was allowed to have a toy, you know, just something fun. So she got an LOL. I did not know what an LOL was. I do now. My goodness, they come with a lot of unnecessary packaging. But she has this little thing that you squeeze its head and it either cries, squirts, or pees. Uh-huh. Cries, squirts, or pees. And it just, yeah. <laughs> no words. I have no words. I just, I have no words, you know. I couldn't talk her into slime or a slinky. No, it had to be this LOL thing. And it's covered in, in sparkles. What is this glitter? It's completely covered in glitter. So now she's completely covered in glitter. It, yeah, cries, squirts, or pees. All right. Interesting little toy, I tell you. But anyway, or changes color, apparently. But this one, thank goodness, it doesn't pee. You squeeze its head and it cries. I'd cry too if you squeezed my head. But that was her fun toy. So she wanted an LOL. So I've been introduced to the world of LOLs now. So I think um, there was a commotion going on in the hallway a moment ago. I should probably go and investigate. My dog has been sick um, the past few, since Thursday. He's been sick. And that's when it started getting really, really hot. Now he is a very furry dog and he doesn't handle the heat well. He doesn't do well with change at all to begin with. And he's eight and he does not handle the heat well. And he got really sick on Thursday. He's vomiting. He's got the diarrhea, but he's still eating. He's still attempting or he's still attempting to eat. He's still drinking. Um, you know, we talked to the vet and told us what to do. Keep an eye on him. So we've been kind of a little worried about our poor Odie Doe. We don't like it when he's sick. He doesn't like it when he's sick. He's not himself. Winter is his favorite season. Summer, he, he, no, not so much. And we do a lot of research into our animals and what's good for them, what's bad for them, what we can do naturally. 
and all of that. And the one thing we never thought to look into was ice cubes. You know, my parents always gave our dogs ice cubes in the summer and, you know, they eat ice cream for heaven's sakes. But it's not a good idea to give your dogs ice cubes because they can end up with heat stroke because it cools their insides down too quickly. It cools their bodies down too quickly. So then their body compensates and they get overheated and that can make them sick. So I'm wondering if that's what happened to them. And then just with the extensive heat and it wasn't even cooling down at night. I mean, it was 11, 12 o'clock at night and it was still 95 degrees. So today is a lot better. The humidity is down. The heat is down. He's sort of getting better, but we'll see how it goes. We're keeping an eye on him, so I should go and investigate and, and see what the commotion was because my granddaughter was hollering and my husband was hollering and I think there's a faint aroma of poo. I'm not sure. It's, that's been the aroma for the past few days in the house because he's had no control. <laughs> you know, and you can't lock him outside. That's not fair. So we just, you know, clean up after him. So anyway, I am going to sign off. So, like I said, there will be no issue in August, but keep submitting like there will be, and there will be a big issue September 6th, and then we will go back to our regular um, release date of the 24th for October. So, September will come out on the 6th. There will be no issue for August, as we will be compiling and editing and getting everything ready for September 6th. So please try and have your stuff in as soon as you can in August. Um, I would say stick with the August 15th deadline as if there would be one on the 24th. So that way we can get everything because it's going to be a big issue. So get your stuff in as soon as you can. Um, you can start sending your stuff in for September issue now if you like because we have July's issue pretty much nailed down. Um, yeah, and I've told you who we have confirmed for PCE, so go on over and check out our website at www.theworldofmyth.com. You can find us on Twitter at The World of Myth Magazine and The World of Myth Bits Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at The World of Myth Magazine or The World of Myth Bits Podcast. And you can find me at, on Facebook at Stephanie Barty Author. No, Author. Yeah, Stephanie Barty Author. You can find me on Instagram at Author Stephanie Barty, or it's the other way around. Just throw in Stephanie Barty onto Facebook or Instagram. You'll find me. Twitter, it's at Lupa B. And my email is Stephanie Barty at the world of mythbits dot or the bleh. okay I got everything else right except for that the email is Stephanie Barty at the world of myth dot com okay everybody I will see you all next week have a good one The world of myth bits. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce.
introduce you our first reader of the afternoon. We have a wide variety of authors joining us today at the Elmville Sci-Fi Fantasy Street Fair. So, Stephanie Barty is about to come out. Here she is. And she will be reading to you from her debut novel, Eternally Bound. So, take a moment, come have a seat. This is what the chair is here for. Wander, have quiet conversation. But by all means, please do listen while you are in the room. Take it away, Stephanie. Okay, so, there's no microphone. <laughs> I will be loud. Um, what I'm going to start reading, as Julie Andrews would say, start at the very beginning, because that's a very good place to start. Prologue. The healer watched from the shadows, her ethereal figure blending with the rolling fog coming in from the bay. The small figure battled the storm and continued towards her destination with determination. As with every incarnation, she observed with a slight detachment. She had seen this story play out many times, all with the same result, and she wondered if it would be any different. Would the story change? Could the story change? To fall in love with the right person was exhilarating and scary. To fall in love with the wrong person, with the right person at the wrong time, was terrifying, and this was definitely the wrong time. Each time was wrong, but this was beyond what had ever happened in previous lifetimes. She sensed danger, heartbreak, and something new she couldn't quite figure out, but with each, but as with each time before, all she could do was observe and hope. Chapter 1. The harsh freezing rain pelted down on the little town, driving all the people into the homes and taverns that lined the harbor front. The streets were almost deserted, deserted save for one lone tiny figure. Hunched over against the driving rain, the small form pulled the ragged cloak tighter around her and sped up the pace. She had a purpose, a place to go, and nothing was going to stop her from achieving what she had set out to do. Her heart raced in her chest and her hands shook, either from the shattered nerves that were now part of her being, the illness that now consumed her, or the November storm that raged around her. She wasn't quite sure. But no matter how terrified she was, she had to carry on. A life depended on her success. Her small arms hugged the tiny bundle closer to her, protecting it as best she could in her tattered cloak shielding the small face from the rain. Her heart broke a little more as she thought of what she was about to do, but she had no choice. Circumstances had left her with nothing, no home, no money, no food, and as of this morning, no husband. Hard living, little money, and even less food had taken its toll on her husband, and his heart had just given out. That's what the doctor had told her, but she knew better. The death of their only son at birth had broken him, taken a piece of him that could never be replaced, and had simply shattered his soul. Although their daughter had lived, her husband had never been the same. He never said anything, but she knew he blamed her. The doctor had said that the baby wasn't strong enough and that she would likely never be able to bear children again. The birth had been very hard on her, being so small. The pregnancy itself hadn't been difficult by any means. She had endured, happy in her life, content in the fact that she was giving her husband two children. If that, had been, if that had been rough, maybe they would have been better prepared for what happened that night. It was raining, much the same as it was now, when she went into early labor. Her husband raced as fast as the weather would allow to fetch the midwife. When he returned, it was already too late. His son had been born. Stillborn is what the midwife called it. He raced back into town to fetch the doctor, hoping that there was some mistake. 
He came through the door just as his daughter came screaming into the world. The doctor confirmed his worst fears. His only son was gone. Thomas spent the rest of the night and all of the next day making his son's coffin. He never even looked at his daughter or spoke a word to his wife. After they buried the tiny little soul into the ground, the two just stopped talking altogether except for the odd daily pleasantry. He seemed to withdraw deeper and deeper into himself. He lost his job because he would spend his days drowning his pain in drink and gambling at the local tavern. Then the bank took the farm and they moved into the boarding house in town. Gwen worked in the kitchen for their room and board. Thomas just spent his days sitting at the window staring out at the harbor. As she was bringing him up his breakfast this morning, she found him. He was still laying in bed, and when she tried to wake him, she felt his cold skin and knew he was gone. That was why she was taking her baby to a new home, a better place than what she could provide, a better life. The local shipbuilder was an elderly man, and he and his wife were kindly and would take good care of her daughter or find a family that would. She was sick herself. Pneumonia had set into her, and she was rapidly losing strength, but she knew she had to make it. After her baby was safe, she could let go and join her husband and son. Sheer will alone kept her going. She had finally reached the house at the edge of the harbor and slowed to a steady walk. The front door was engulfed in darkness as she approached, but she knocked just the same. As she raised her small hand to make a second pitiful attempt at knocking, the darkness finally dragged her down. Inside the house, Lance Donson was just tamping out the fire. Having already dismissed his two servants for the night, he was alone in the front room. As the embers began to fade, he heard a small thud at the front door. Jefferson, his manservant, met him in the foyer, as he was just coming from the kitchen. Lance threw him a puzzled look as he strode to the door. Are we expecting company? He asked as he reached for the handle. Not that I'm aware of, sir, Jefferson replied as he cocked the shotgun he had picked up from its hiding place by the door. You really think that's necessary? There haven't been any problems in the yard or here for months. Jefferson raised the gun to his waist, aiming. You can never be too cautious, sir. Lance sighed and turned back to the door. Jefferson had been with the family for as long as Lance could remember. He had seemed to take on a protective role over the young man as a child, and as he grew into a man, so had that role. As he opened the door, he saw a bundle of rags on the stoop. At the same moment, he heard a pitiful cry. Startled, Lance jumped back, colliding with Jefferson, who had moved up behind him. Steadying himself, he again stepped up to the door as the cries reached almost fever pitch. What in the world is that, he exclaimed. He knelt down cautiously and gently laid the cloak aside to reveal a sight that caused him to pull back on his haunches, almost falling over. Mrs. Alderson, he screamed. Mrs. Alderson, come quick and bring some towels. He scooped up the bundle, raced into the house and over to the fireplace. Gently, he laid the bundle down and reached inside the cloak just as Mrs. Alderson came into the room. What is all the commotion, sir? I was just getting ready to retire. Handing her the still screaming child, he said, Take this and do what you need to do, and I will tend to this sodden mess here. Seems the November winds have blown in more than just the rain. Barking orders at Jefferson to restoke the fire and ring the doctor, he peered down at the tiny form. Not quite sure how to begin, he gently placed his fingertips on her cheek, which was icy to the touch. Her breathing was ragged and her forehead burned with fever. He had seen these symptoms before in many of the crew on his father's ships, but never in a girl so small. He started peeling away the wet layers, replacing them with dry towels as they were brought in. A slight moan escaped her lips as he unbuttoned her blouse, revealing breasts that were bound with rag strips. That was when he realized that this tiny child was a mother, and that the baby was hers. 
Glancing down at her body, he felt a slight stirring in the pit of his stomach, like a protective urge slowly spreading over him in waves. Giving his head a shake, he returned to the task at hand. He began rubbing her down with the towels just as the doctor came in the room. What have we got, Lance? he asked as he set his bag down and stood up, shook out his rain-spattered cloak. Don't know. Think it's pneumonia, but that's why I called you. She just collapsed on my doorway with a baby. Mrs. Elderson has taken the babe upstairs to warm. The doctor took out his stethoscope and listened to her chest. Her heart is good and strong, but the lungs sound very raspy. Do you have a bed for her? We also must get her warm as soon as possible. Mrs. Elderson reappeared in the doorway carrying a large wash tub. She spoke in a quick but concise tone to Jefferson, who stood in the room looking helpless. He hurried off, now with a purpose. She then turned to the doctor and Lance. I will warm her body and make her comfortable and dry. She raised a hand in the direction of the doctor. Before you start quoting medical jargon at me, doctor, I am sure if the young lady were conscious, she would agree that this chore is best done by another woman. Jefferson returned with buckets of hot water, and Mrs. Elderson began filling the tub. Lance, instead of standing there like a dolt, go and fetch me a rain basin from the back porch. Without so much as a word, Lance turned and went to do her bidding. Mrs. Elderson had been part of his family since she was a child, and when she was in charge, you didn't argue. She tempered the boiling water with the rainwater until she thought it was about as hot as could be stood. Then she ordered all the men out of the room. Lance paced the hallway, anxious to get back to the young woman. Dr. Connolly had taken this opportunity to check quickly on the infant. After a short while, Mrs. Elderson called them back in and told Lance to help with wrapping the woman in dry linens. Mr. Connolly again listened to the waif's chest and a look of concern passed over his craggy features. He stood abruptly and scooped up the girl. Her body is warm, but it still rages with fever. Her breath breathing is steady, but getting labored. I need to get her into a bed and off this chilly floor. Where, sh where shall I put her, Lance? Lance's jaw dropped. Oh, what? She, she can't stay here. I can't take care of her. Take her with you. You're the doctor. You can't just leave her here, he sputtered. The doctor stepped towards the stairs leading to the upper part of the house. I can't take the chance of her getting sicker. I know this woman. If I risk her out in the cold, she will die before I reach my office. I have seen more than enough death from this poor woman's kin to allow her to die as well. She needs a warm bed and some hot tea, and she needs it now. Either lead me to a bed, or I will put her in the first one I find. Lance rose slowly, staring at the doctor until the girl started to hack and cough harshly, her tiny body shaking. Okay, up the stairs, first door on your right, but she leaves as soon as she's well enough to travel. Dr. Connolly carried her up the stairs. As they approached the top stair, he could hear Mrs. Elderson singing softly to the baby across the hall in the nursery. Upon entering the room, the doctor laid the woman on the bed and pulled the covers up over her shivering form. Quit boring holes in the back of my head, Lance, and go make this girl a hot poultice. I know Mrs. Elderson keeps some in the kitchen, though she doesn't think that I know she still uses your mother's old recipes. Being a man of science, she doesn't think I would understand, he chuckled. Lance nodded and headed back downstairs to the kitchen. He wondered who this pitiful little creature was and what had brought her to his door, of all places. Since his parents had died, he had taken over the business and had led a quiet, quiet, uneventful life. The occasional dalliance with the women of the town square, but that was it. What was he going to do with a woman and a baby? He placed a pot onto the hook hanging over the fire and dropped two poultice bags into it. As he stood there waiting for the water to heat the bags, he noticed something move into the shadows of the corner. Puzzled, he walked over to the spot. Nothing was there. So he searched the entire kitchen. Still nothing. I guess I'm just seeing things. Imagination is working overtime today. 
He finished heating the bags, wrapped them in a dry cloth from the pantry, and headed back upstairs. The doctor was in the nursery checking the baby again. What is the condition of the little one, Doc? He asked as he paused in the doorway. She seems healthy enough, just a bit thirsty. Luckily, I've just come from the Sandmore, so I have an extra feeding bottle in my bag. Mrs. Alderson took the bottle from the doctor, saying that she had just the thing to fill it with. The doctor turned to Lance. Do you think you could watch her for a minute while I check on her mother? I want to get those poultices on her before they cool much more. He gently laid the baby in Lance's arms. Lance froze with fear. But, 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 he stammered. Dr. Connolly chuckled. It's all right. She won't bite. Just keep her head higher than her feet and keep her awake until Mrs. Alderson comes back with the bottle. As long as you don't drop her, you can't hurt her by holding her. As he walked out of the room, he sent one parting shot, barely containing his laughter at the total unease that Lance was displaying. Oh, just don't squeeze too tight either. You might not like what comes out the other end. Lance looked down at the little face and realized that she was looking back at him. She seemed so small, but her eyes held a world of knowledge and wisdom. Lance tentatively smiled at the child. Suddenly, a sharp, hot pain seared through his head. Images flew past his eyes too quick to make any sense of. Gasping at the intensity and the sudden dizziness, he tightened his grip on the child for fear of dropping her. Almost instantly, the pain vanished, leaving him disoriented and confused. Just as he regained his senses, the baby let out a squeal at the pressure of Lance's grip. Lance loosened his hold, but the baby had already started to cry. Clumsily, he laid the child back into the crib, desperately trying to calm her. Dr. Connolly came back into the room and Lance looked at him helplessly. He grinned slightly at the young man, thinking they had never even thought to see him holding a child, and yet he seemed to have a sort of a connection with her. It was obvious she responded well to him. Or was she really aware that her whole life was being held in these man's hands? You okay, Lance? You look a little peaked, he asked as he peered at the baby. Yeah, I'm fine. Just a bit of a headache coming on. Told you I didn't need this stress in my life. Have you tucked the young lady in? Lance tried to back away from the crib, but found it difficult to go out of sight of the baby. He seemed drawn to her, almost paternal, and found his eyes constantly seeking her out. Yes, I have, and now I would like to check the babe one last time. She seems no worse for wear, but I would like to make sure before I take my leave. After a few minutes, he closed the bag and turned to Lance, who was now sitting in the old rocking chair beside the crib. She seems well and good, just a bit hungry. Keep an eye on her for the next few days. Make sure she's eating well, wetting her diapers on a regular basis. Lance's face paled. D d diapers? I think maybe you should be telling this to Mrs. Elderson. I really don't think I can do diapers. I don't know how. I don't know anything about babies. You know that. The doctor laughed, cleared his throat, and said, Okay, okay, I guess you're right. That is a bit much to ask right now. Just make sure she's eating. If anything changes, just send Jefferson for me. I will be back in the morning to check on the young lady. Lance saw the doctor at the door and was just locking up. Saw the doctor to the door and was just locking up when he heard a scream from upstairs. He turned and bolted up them, and only to collide with Mrs. Elderson, who was coming from the nursery. She seems caught in a terrible nightmare, she said, voice shaking just a bit. It took a lot to ruffle the old woman's feathers, and the sounds coming from the bedroom had done just that. No, please, no, she screamed, fighting with the bedclothes. Before he could think, Lance ran to the bedside and scooped her up into his arms, trying to hold her and console her. She fought him, but he held strong, whispering words of comfort into her ear. Finally, she let out one soft, heart-wrenching whimper and collapsed against his chest. Mrs. Alderson stood paralyzed in the door. Is she all right, sir? It was like the devil himself had taken a hold of her. 
I think she's fine now. I can only imagine what terrible circumstances brought her to our door tonight. But for now, she is peaceful. I will stay with her until she is completely calm. You go on to bed and tend to the baby if she needs you. Mrs. Alderson looked at Lance and saw something in his eyes that she hadn't seen in a long time. All right, sir. Just ring me if you need for me for anything. I am going to sleep in the nanny's quarters for the next few nights to be close to the baby. As she turned to leave, Lance called out to her to close the door. With barely a concealed grin, she did so, winking at the waiting Jefferson in the hallway. He thinks that life has just taken an interesting turn at Dawson House, she whispered as she crossed the, to the nursery. Jefferson smiled and nodded in agreement. Maybe just what Lance in this old house needs to bring some life back to it again. Lance leaned forward and attempted to lay the girl back onto the bed. She just tightened her arms around his neck and nuzzled into his chest. He leaned back against the headboard and slid her slowly down to lie with her head in the crook of his arm, still holding her tightly. He gazed down at her which was, down at her face, which was finally relaxed and peaceful. She had such a beautiful face, with white alabaster skin. Tiny freckles dusted her nose and across her cheeks, giving him the impression she wasn't like all the other prissy girls he had met, but actually spent time out in the sun. Her long red hair spilled over his arm and down his thigh like a sea of fire. Since her eyes were closed, he could only imagine what they looked like. Her tiny hand came up to grip the front of his shirt, and her fingers grazed the skin exposed at his neck. Lance closed his eyes at the contact. What is wrong with me, he cursed himself. I don't even know her name, if she's married, and yet I sit here with her in my arms, having seriously dangerous thoughts. Again he tried to lay her down, and this time she went without any trouble, having slipped back into her fever. Lance pulled the bed clothes back over her tiny body and headed for the door as quickly as he could. He wanted a cold bath and a strong drink. He needed to get his grip on reality back. Getting involved with a woman and a child is just not what he needed to be doing right now. He had other responsibilities and obligations to deal with. His wife, for one. How he wished he could just forget that he had ever been stupid enough to marry that woman. But she was his wife now, nonetheless. His business was much better for it, even if his quality of life wasn't. Lance reached his room and quickly bathed. Pouring himself a shot of bourbon, he downed it quickly and refilled his glass. Taking the drink to his bed, he laid it on the nightstand and climbed in. As he closed his eyes, his thoughts again drifted back to that one innocent touch. Her hands were so soft, her skin so warm. With a groan, he rolled onto his side, and after a while, he drifted into a fitful sleep filled with visions of her screaming, crying, and calling his name. Thank you.